Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Thank you for being a part of our church family all over the world. It's an honor each week to be able to worship with you, to have you connected to what God is doing here in Kissimmee, St. Cloud, Orlando, Central Florida. It's wonderful. Before we get into our message, I want to thank every single person who has supported the film. This has been truly uh, an extraordinary thing. It's one thing for years and years to talk about uh, making a, a feature film that is shown all over the country. It's another thing when you open up Fox News and you're on the front page of Fox News saying that your church made a movie called Southern Gospel uh, and, and articles are being written all over uh, the country about our film and uh, we've got a you know every critic has given us a positive review on Rotten Tomatoes uh, we've got a, a, like a 97% audience score uh, God has just really favored our film uh, it, an independent film like ours in case you're wondering we weren't made by a studio we made this movie our church we made this movie uh, we, over over the last several years so we don't have the funding uh, to put the advertising out there like a lot of uh, big movies do. So, uh, for instance, um, our total advertising budget, I think, for the movie was like around $50,000. Uh, Jesus Revolution, uh, I heard from some of the marketers, spent $6 million last Monday on marketing. Uh, so, so that's the difference between how the kind of marketing that we're able to do for a film like ours. It's the kind of story that we want to tell. I love Jesus Revolution. That's great. I just wish I had $6 million to spend on our movie for marketing. It'd be fantastic if the whole world knew about it. So we re heavily rely on word of mouth, on people that will get behind the film, promote the film. Uh, so thank you so much for doing that. Tonight is the last night. Uh, that we know for sure that the movie is going to be in theaters because they evaluate on a week-to-week -week basis. And like I said, even though we're in 600 theaters all over the country, people sending great reviews, loving it, there's a lot of people that just don't know about it. I've been getting people that have been sending me pictures of being in like the middle of these small towns uh, and, and saying, this is the best movie I've ever seen. It changed my life, it touched my life, but like I was the only person in the theater. So like, if people don't know about it, it does. it's not gonna help us continue to grow. So I would just encourage you, it, whether you've seen it or not, last tonight is the last night we know for sure it's going to be in theaters. I would just go see it again, tell somebody about it, get in theaters, see it. You ask ways that you can help. One of the ways you can help is go to RottenTomatoes.com, create a user profile in the audience score section. Give us a rating there. I've, I mean, it's a, you can give up to five stars uh, if you loved it. That's what I would do. Uh, I would write a personal review and not be like, oh, Pastor Jeff used to be our next door neighbor. No, but write something like, well, the movie was compelling. It was moving. Love the cinematography. Love the story. Love the, if, if you write something that's legit uh, and, and then go to IMDB. You can give a rating there. Also movieinsider.com. Uh, you can give a rating there. And also on Google, uh, if you're signed into Google and you type in Southern Gospel Movie, it will have a thumbs up or thumbs down. You're able to give a rating there. Those ratings help us continue to get noticed by Hollywood. What we want to do is we want to make a statement that you can tell stories at this level that the world wants to see. You don't have to have Hollywood's permission to do it. You can just do it, and God's hand can be on it. So thank you for supporting the film. I, I'm blown away uh, at, at what has been happening, and I, I'm, I'm excited about the future, but I wanted to tell you thank you. You guys are the ones that made it happen. Today we're starting a brand new series, and it's called When Kingdoms Collide. I'm fired up about this series because I think that this is one of the most uh, underutilized principles in 
pulpits in all over the world, uh, the principle of the kingdom of God. People don't talk about it enough. We need to make this our core message because it was actually Jesus' core message. Uh, so our text is found in Matthew 6, verses 31 through 33. I'm gonna have you read verse 33 with me out loud, and it's one that you've seen before. Bless you, Gesundheit. And, and I want you to read that with me uh, as we read it. So it says this, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. By the way, pagans, that's not a religion. Pagan just means non-Christian. So a pagan is someone who doesn't know anything about God. So it says, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? Okay, you say, well, I don't worry about that. Well, do you? I mean, you know, what do you want? I want Olive Garden. What do you want? I want chilies. I mean, you might worry. I mean, you might, might be some worry. What shall we drink? Honey, do we have any, any Cokes in there? I told you to get my Cokes, and you forgot to get my Cokes. Uh, well, we're not worried about that. What shall we wear? You say, I don't worry about that. Well, you know, you look on social media. Oh, look what he's wearing. I got to go buy something else. Look what she's wearing. I got. We might worry about that too. Because Jesus says, for the pagans run after all these things. What he says is that your heavenly father knows that you need them. This is the part I'd like you to read with me. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and these things will be given to you as well. Let's read it one more time. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So what it's saying is if you seek the kingdom, God's kingdom first, you can quit worrying about all the things, and he will provide the things if you seek the kingdom. You will no longer have to worry about the things. But if you seek the things, you may get the things, but you miss out on the what? You miss out on the kingdom. So if you, get, if you seek the kingdom, you're gonna get the kingdom and the things. But if you seek the things, you may get the things, you may lose the things, you may not get the things, but you're definitely gonna miss out on the kingdom. So I think that is a deal that we have to take. I'm gonna talk today on when kingdoms collide, the upside down kingdom, part one. Father, thank you for your presence. We pray that you just move in this service. Holy Spirit, we can't do this without you. Empower your word to come alive so that when our hearts hear it, Lord, that we're moved and changed by it. Lord, let us come in this place and leave here with a spirit of humility, grateful for all that you've done in our lives. God, I pray that hearts would be healed today, people that have lost hope, people that feel unseen, unheard. I thank you that you are the God that searches the hearts. Lord, that is what your word calls you. He who searches the hearts, you know and you see every part of us. Let people watching online feel and know that today, that you see their circumstances and you care. Move on our behalf today as you illuminate your word and let it come alive. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. So the kingdom of God, when you really think about that word kingdom, we don't use it a lot in modern culture. But kingdom is the primary, actually the only real message that Jesus ever preached. The only unifying message he ever preached was the kingdom of God. He constantly, constantly, talked about the kingdom. Yet this is not a word that we integrate into our vocabulary a lot. The kingdom concept that there is a kingdom that is around us at all times that we cannot necessarily see or hear or touch or feel, but that it permeates every decision, everything we do. That's why Jesus, when he was standing in front of Pilate, Jesus, Pilate was asking, are you a king? And he said, my kingdom is not of this world. He said, if it were, all the people that are here would come fight for me right now. But I come from a different kind of kingdom. 
Pilate didn't even understand that. He said, so are you a king? He says, oh, well, you're right to say I'm a king. I'm definitely a king, but I'm not the kind of king that you think of. So this kingdom, you can miss it if you're not careful. You can miss the idea that the only kingdom that has ever been imported, it's a kingdom that existed before the earth. It's a kingdom that existed before mankind. It didn't need mankind's stamp of approval. It didn't need mankind's permission. It's a sovereign nation. It's a sovereign country. The founder of it is God. He is sovereign in everything that he does. It is about his rule, his reign. And he chose to give Adam and Eve the ability to rule. He gave them dominion. He gave them opportunity to rule as kings and as sons and daughters of God. And it was mankind's disobedience that broke that beautiful covenant with God. And rather being able to rule in God's kingdom, all of a sudden there was a fallen kingdom. So God's kingdom still existed, but you couldn't see it around you because we were in this fallen world. It was only through Jesus, God sending his son Jesus, that, and also through Israel. Israel had to go through so many challenges, so many hardships, slavery, uh, bondage, the wilderness, all these rough things, the law, God giving the law that we could not obey. It was too hard for us to obey. Punishment, years and years of burdens, uh, wanting kings and wanting a kingdom. And God saying, I don't want to give you a king. I just want to be your God. And they go, no, give us a king. They said, okay, you want a kingdom. You're still looking for the wrong kingdom. I'll give you a king. So all these evil kings, the whole story of Israel that finally comes to the Messiah, Jesus who is the ultimate king who steps in on our behalf. And finally, John the Baptist preached about the kingdom right before Jesus. Actually, Moses preached about the kingdom. The kingdom is a whole Old Testament and New Testament. It's, it's in every book of the Bible. But Jesus became the way, the door that leads us into a modern kingdom life. And you say, well, what does that look like? Well, I think about the show like Stranger Things. If you've never seen Stranger Things, Stranger Things is about this boy who disappears. No one knows where he is. And they come to find out that he has now kind of gone through this transition from the world that we see to this place that in the show they call the upside down. And the upside down looks like our world. It's similar to our world, but it's very dark. And there might be monsters there. There might be, you know, cobwebs or you know, this room as we are right now, if you were in the upside down, it would look totally different. Uh, it would be much darker. And there's this whole realm where beings and creatures exist that are similar to the world we live in, but just different. It's more of a spiritual type of world. And although I don't think that's true by any means uh, of being the upside down, I think it's a good example of two parallel worlds that can exist on top of each other. And I think it's a way for us to point to the kingdom of God, which is all around us. But rather than being decrepit, the kingdom of God is perfect. The kingdom of God is the way things are supposed to be. We're living in the upside down right now. We're living in the upside down kingdom, the one that needs redeeming. And there is a kingdom that is all around us. There's a kingdom language 
There's a kingdom conversation. There's a kingdom faith. There are kingdom relationships. There are kingdom businesses. There are ways of doing things that we don't consider. And just as an example, I was telling the last service, I'll bring this up now and bring it up at the end to tell you the differences, but in, in this is before a lot of people in this room were born, but in 1992, my friend invited me to go to the national championship down in Miami. He was a Hurricanes fan, and they were playing Nebraska, and he had an extra ticket. He said, will you go to this game? And I was really close to him. I, I hate the Miami Hurricanes. I cannot stand them. I'm a Florida State. Let's go Knowles. I love Florida State all day, and I have always loved Florida State. So I didn't even want to go to the game. I, I was, I mean, honestly, I was more like, bro, go yourself. Like, go by yourself. Just sit alone. Like, I don't want to go see the hurricane. So, but he's my friend, and I'm a good friend, so I said, okay, I'll go with you. So, I, I mean, I got ready, and, and I remember... I put on a Florida State shirt, and then I put a bigger shirt over the top of it, long sleeve. My friend did not know I had on the Florida State shirt. No one around me knew at all. I never showed one person. I just wore it because I wanted to know myself. <laughs> I wanted to know myself in this other weird culture that I was in. I wanted to remind myself I'm an OG Florida State fan and nobody's going to get me off my game. And I never showed anybody. So that's an example of being in a culture but knowing you're a part of something else. Can I get an amen from someone? So I think these, the problem with these kingdoms colliding is that though they exist on top of one another, their values are diametrically opposed. They're completely different. The kingdom of this world comes up with its own system of morality. It comes up with what should be said, what shouldn't be said, how we should refer to this, how we should refer to that, what is accomplishment, what is success. It has its own definitions of things. But underneath this broken kingdom, there is the kingdom of God that he has established that has its own constitution, that has its own contracts, that has its own covenants, that has its own citizens, that has its own country, that has its own king, that is underneath this world that we can't see, and its principles are more real and more powerful than the ones that we can see. That's why the Bible says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The kingdom that is underneath, the kingdom that you can't see is the right side up kingdom. And God has called us as kingdom citizens. Somebody say citizen. There's a difference between a member and a citizen. See, a member, you got to pay your dues. You got to do all these things to become a member. And as a matter of fact, the Bible doesn't talk about church members. Paul mentions one time that we're, that we're a member and he uses an analogy of that, but it doesn't talk about church members. We're the ones that use that phrase a lot, church members. But we are actually citizens of a country. That country is called heaven. I'm going to tell you something. It don't matter what country I go to. I was born here. I am a citizen of the United States of America. And wherever I am, I have rights when I come back here to get in my country. There's certain things that go along with being an American. That as an American citizen, I was born here. This is my country. And in the same way, you become a citizen of heaven when you were what? Born again. 
It's not where you were born, it's by whom you were born. If you were born into Christ, you are born again and you become a citizen of heaven, which means you get access to the kingdom of God. And now, here's where you can miss this, is because we want to look all over and see these signs, whether it's a revival or a move of God that's going on here, there we go, oh, that's the kingdom. Oh, well, this is the kingdom. And we want to say, oh, it's finally here because I can see this is happening. Or finally, you know, there's prayer back in schools. The kingdom is finally here. We, we want to identify it. But Jesus says, be careful with that. Luke chapter 17, verses 20 and 21 says this. Now, having been questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered them and said, the kingdom is not coming with signs to be observed. Nor will they say, look, oh, here it is. There it is. He says, for behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Somebody say this right now. Say, it's here. Somebody say, now, but not yet. That is a wild concept, isn't it? That the kingdom is here. It's here right now. In every possible way, if you've got Christ in your life, you have access to the kingdom life. But it's not yet in the sense of this is still an upside down world. So there's a kingdom that we can bring into this world right now. It's not until we actually are physically in heaven someday where all sin, all the tears will be wiped away. There will be no more crime. There'll be no more pain, no more shame, nothing like that. We will literally be in the actual kingdom of God with nothing to throw us off for all of eternity. But right now, what Jesus is saying is the kingdom is here. There's no one else coming. Jesus already came. There's nothing else for us to learn other than it's here right now. Somebody say, it's here. Look at someone next to you say, the kingdom is now. The kingdom is now. So when is your now going to begin? I hope it starts today. I hope today that you realize that in the kingdom, we are called to rule with Christ. The Bible says you have not been given a spirit of adoption again to fear, but have been given, you've not been, been given a spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of adoption that allows us cry, to cry, Abba, Father. That's like saying, Dad. It says, for if we're children, then heirs and joint heirs with Christ. It means that we, wouldn't, how many people would be happy if someone said, I have news for you, I'm a lawyer. I've been assigned to talk to you. Just found out that you're an heir to $55 million. Who would be happy about that? That'd be amazing, right? You're an heir. You're an heir. If they said, now, you're a co-heir, so you, you share that with another person, you would say, who cares? Uh, I'll take it. That's amazing. That's fantastic. Co-heir. Both of you have access to it. That's what a co-heir is. It's been left to two people. It's been left to multiple people. The Bible tells us that we are co-heirs with Jesus. Last time I recalled, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That means we're called to rule with Christ. That means when there's sickness going on in my world, I don't have to come and say, sickness, please leave. You know what I say? I say, 
I'm called to rule with Christ. Get out of my life. I command you in my authority that I have in Jesus' name, get out of my life. I am a part of a kingdom culture. I'm a part of a different kind of culture that is meant to turn this one right side up. I'm going to live with the spiritual authority. My Bible tells me that God is the God that calls things that be not as though they were. So he looks at something that doesn't exist and says, let there be light. There's no light anywhere. And he speaks it into existence. That's what he does. So if my God, who I'm called to rule and reign with, calls things that are not as though they were, then I'm going to do it. And baby, it ain't called manifesting. It's called kingdom culture. I don't believe, I don't believe in manifesting. What I believe is speaking God's word in faith. Living on the principles of God's word in faith. And when something doesn't line up and I don't see it there, I speak it out and I call it according to his word. That is kingdom culture. See, he said the kingdom is in your midst. And he said to, you know, as I said a moment ago, John chapter three, he said to Nicodemus, unless one is born of the water and born of the spirit, he can't enter into the kingdom of God. So the idea that it's now, but not yet, is important. And, and I, I think that a lot of Christians get the not yet. And if, you, if all you're caught up on is in the not yet, then you become like some of the churches I grew up in, which the only song they ever sang is, Some glad morning when this life is over, I fly away. To the land on God's celestial shore, I'll fly away. Oh, hallelujah. I'll fly away, oh, glory. I'll fly away in the morning when I die. Hallelujah, by and by. I'll fly away. That's the way I used to say in my old church. Great song. I put it in the movie. I love that song. It's a good song. But you know what? Think about what you're saying. You're in church someone saying, you know what I want to do? I want to die. <laughs> because life stinks so bad. That's really what all my family and relatives were like when I was growing up. It's like, this stinks so bad, I can't wait to die so I can just be in heaven. That's not a kingdom now mentality, is it? That's the not yet part. Hey, let me tell you something. I want the kingdom in my life. I don't want to wait till I get to heaven to find out what it means to have favor in my life, to find out what it means to be blessed, to find out what it means to have victory. I want the kingdom in St. Cloud, Florida. I want the kingdom in Kissimmee, Florida. I want it in City of Life Church. I want it in the neighborhood that I live in. I want it in my job. I don't want to wait, and I don't have to, because Jesus won that battle for me already. So I could have a kingdom kind of life. And a kingdom life looks different. God has called us to be agents and citizens of that kingdom. To infiltrate the kingdom of the world. To be a part. To take over. And to influence the culture. I think that's a problem. Is a lot of people say, I don't want to be a part of culture. Then it's doomed. Can I tell you something? That Jesus didn't save you so that you could go to heaven. He saved you so you could help bring heaven to earth. That's the reason why he came. 
He wasn't sitting there going, we need more people up here. What are we going to do? We're alone. No. He saved you so you could bring the kingdom culture for his glory to the earth. People need to find out what the kingdom sounds like. They need to find out what it looks like. You say, well, 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 how am I supposed to bring the kingdom into my job? I work in maintenance. Well, buddy, let me tell you, you cut every edge perfectly. You put excellence in what you do to the level that your boss says, I don't understand. I only told you to do this much, but you did that much, and you did it so well. Why'd you go the extra mile? Oh, let me tell you why, boss, because my Bible tells me that I don't work for man. I work for the Lord, and I'm going to do everything I do with excellence. And that man's going to go home, and he's going to say, I don't know what's going on with Jimmy over there, but that guy right there he does everything on a different level and he tells me he's a Christian he does it for God I never seen people that act like kingdom culture has to permeate society or society is doomed we have to get the kingdom in every aspect of our life what does the kingdom look like it looks like the way God designed things to work we have to have kingdom marriages we have to have kingdom businesses you got to get the kingdom in your car you say, well, what does that mean? Ask my dad. He's the one that said it for all those years. He used to tell me. You know what it means to get the kingdom in your car? It means reach down in between your, your console and your seat and get the french fries out. <laughs> Can somebody say amen? amen? Get the kingdom in your car. You say, I can't afford the nicest shoes out there, but you could get some shoe polish. You could shine them up, can't you? You can get the kingdom in what you do have. See, I hear people all the time telling me, well, I want to start uh, being a music producer. So I'm going to need $25,000 to buy the best equipment. I say, well, homie, you're crazy. That ain't the way it worked. I mean, when my dad gave me my first musical instrument, it was very simple. And I started using that thing. I learned everything that I could possibly learn about that sequencer. To the degree that at 15 years old, I was making about $400 a month from, from programming music into this sequencer for, for top 40 bands in Orlando. I would give them a cartridge, and they would pay me for programming Prince, Michael Jackson, all this stuff. They would press play on their sequencer from all the beats and music that I made. This is in 1987. Uh, that I'm doing all this stuff, and I, I didn't have great music equipment. And people used to ask me, what did you do that on? I'd say, oh, that's an Insonic SQ80. Yeah, but what else did you use? What were the drum machines? I said, I made, I made those sounds. What? Oh, I have to buy one of those. And they buy one and be very disappointed because they couldn't do it. They didn't know how to do what I did because I, I was using that old school ghetto tricks, like learning how to change things. But why? I got the kingdom in my sequencer. I got excellence in what I did. And when you get the kingdom in something, you get more out of it than somebody can get out of it that doesn't have the kingdom. They, they can't get the same results that you get when you got the kingdom in your area. It becomes a kingdom mentality. And what I love about the kingdom is it's, it's, it's transcultural. The kingdom, the kingdom is not about uh, the way you look. It's not about where you're from. It's not about your, your, your financial group, uh, your ethnicity, your nationality. If you're a man, if you're a woman, it's not about any of that stuff. Whether If you're a slave, if you're a free, the Bible says, it's not about any of those things. I love the fact that I've been able to go on 
almost every continent. I've, I've preached in Africa. I've preached in Europe. I've preached in North and South America. I've preached in Australia. I've preached in uh, every major continent. And I've been around churches and people all over the world. And what I love is when I walk in those churches in Nigeria, I walked into a church of over a thousand people where I was preaching. And I started talking to people. I was like, I feel like I'm back home right now. Why? Because it's a kingdom culture. This has nothing to do with the fact that there's like 75 different dialects of languages in this one building, and they all are from different tribes and stuff. I can still communicate even though I can't talk. Why? It's a kingdom culture. Why do you think a white boy from Alabama is able to pastor a church with a bunch of Puerto Ricans and Dominicans and all that kind of stuff like that? Because I, I, I don't know. When I came here, I didn't know nothing. Colombians. Yeah, there's a lot of Hispanic people in our church. I love Latino culture, and I've learned, I've become better because of it. I can't bachata very well, but I've become, I've become better. My son, Jude, oh, Jude, he feel good enough to give a look? Okay, he don't feel, I'll tell you, that boy right there can dance. I'm so jealous, I'm so jealous of his dancing. But, but really, it is a good example. It is a good example. Our church is a great example of kingdom culture. You look around, we got, we got, any kind of person, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what we share, what we vibe about, right? What is it? It's Jesus. It's the kingdom. We start talking about healing. We start talking about hope. All the heads start bouncing right there. You're like, oh, I, I don't care what language I speak. I know that right there. I understand kingdom stuff. We got to get that kingdom culture. And there's, a, there's kingdoms that are colliding. There's a collision. And we got to make sure that our kingdom prevails by representing it in everything we do, that it's kingdom now. We gotta remember that we're sons, not subjects. We gotta remember that we're citizens, not members. We're citizens of the kingdom. We gotta remember it's about relationship, not religion. See, Jesus came to turn this other thing upside down. And, and I'm gonna talk for the next couple of weeks that a kingdom has five things. It's got a king, it's got a country, it's got a constitution, it's got a contract, and it's got citizens. My goal when we get out of this series is that we start thinking about kingdom life and everything, that we start noticing kingdom words, kingdom ideas, kingdom concepts, kingdom people, kingdom relationships, that we start seeing the whole world in a different way, understanding this was Jesus' only real message. He only talked about the kingdom. That's really the only thematic thing that comes up over and over and over again is that kingdom mentality. Put your hand on your heart and say, I'm a kingdom person. Come on, one more time, say, I'm a kingdom person. Come on, type that in the chat right there. Type that in, a kingdom person. Just type it out so you can read it believe it today. Have a kingdom mentality to everything you do. As kingdoms are colliding, our kingdom does not really work with this culture's kingdom, but we've got to take this hope into the world and shine it in a unique way. I'll just use an example because it's what I'm going through right now, but I never even really talked about this publicly. Uh, but if you look on, you know, if you, if you search for our actor in the movie, he talks about set of the film. It's, every, it's everywhere. It's in all, all these articles. Uh, it's even in the Fox article that they did. That he was baptized. 
Um, I never really talked about that too much because it was a very personal thing that he did and I didn't want to like sensationalize it. So I, I never told anyone that. I just had people ask me about it. I just, I told my friends and in very personal groups, but I didn't want to talk about it. Maybe it's a big thing because it was a really important decision for him the way it happened. Uh, but never at any time on the movie set did I get 285 cast and crew members from Hollywood together and say, okay, guys, everyone bow your heads. We're going to pray. This is a kingdom set. I didn't do it like that. I did it different. I just tried to bring the kingdom into my life and bring it into that world. And what happened is I started noticing changing in people, people's attitude changing, the set. I had people tell me I have never been on a movie set. I've done a hundred movies. I had a guy the other day, he, he was a uh, really close with me on the film and he's not really a Christian he grew up a Christian but he's been texting me this crazy stuff lately he's been saying he's like I've, I've been watching your messages online he's like I think you need to become my mentor and all this kind of stuff it's really neat to hear people that are not at all familiar with God but um, he, he was saying I have done hundreds of movies some of the biggest movies you guys have seen he goes I have never been on a set where there was peace like this I've never been on a set where I felt like I wanted to come, like people were happy, they were getting along. He's like, what is that? And I would just say, it's the Lord, man. You ask me an, a straight question, I'm just gonna tell you it's the Lord. It, it, is that when you follow God, he brings his peace on what you do. In the same way, stop asking yourself, do I need to start that business and start it? Why? The world needs a kingdom business. Stop asking yourself, should I go back to college and continue my education? Sign up tomorrow. Why? The world needs educated people that are out there bringing kingdom culture into the world. Stop asking yourself, should I become a volunteer and get involved when I'm not perfect? Do it right now. Why? The world needs kingdom people with a testimony that they're willing to share with others about how God has brought them up out of the pit and put them at a high place in life. Stop asking yourself the question and start doing it today for the kingdom. Come on, somebody say it's kingdom time. It's time to turn this culture around. Turn it right side up again. Can I get an amen from somebody on the road? Man, I want to see the kingdom in our high schools, our public schools, our private schools, our places of worship, and that, our places of business. That doesn't mean showing up every week in a Christian t-shirt. That's not what that means. Is it what's, in, what's coming out of your heart and out of your mouth is much more important than what's on your shirt. Get an amen from someone. See, uh, the difference now in who I am today, though, is I will tell you, if I went to that Miami game, I'd just wear my FSU shirt. i just wear it, because that's my mentality about the kingdom. It's like, if you want to fight me over my shirt, let's go. I mean, that's fine. But I, I, I'm, this, this is who I am. I, this is who I am. I'm not going to hide who I am in the kingdom. Because who I am in the kingdom is who I am. It's who I actually am. I'm in this world. Can anyone help me finish it? But what? But not of. I'm in, but not of. So I'm, I'm here temporarily, but my home, my passport says heaven on it. My passport actually says heaven. It doesn't matter what country I go in. It doesn't matter how I go in and out. And be careful. I got one, that's why you come to the second service, so you hear things that you didn't hear in the first. I didn't say it in the first service. Can I tell you something? Perfecting speaking the Russian language does not make you a Russian citizen. 
there's a lot of people that sound like kingdom people, but they don't have the stamp on their passport. You can only get that through Jesus. You can learn everything about the kingdom and understand kingdom principles and not really be a kingdom person. I'm not talking about sounding like a kingdom person. I'm talking about being one. Being one is what you think in your heart when you encounter a situation. I want you to become a kingdom person in everything you do. Why? It's going to set your family free. It's going to set your workplace free. It's going to set your neighborhood free. It's going to set everything around you free when you start truly letting yourself be king. And what is the difference? It's that knowing. It's that authority. It's that ruling with Christ. It's that stop. You know, we, I know the Bible says ask, seek, and knock. That's really important. Those are all humble approaches, and we must approach God humble in many ways. But when you think about it, sometimes God will wait before he moves in a situation until you learn your lesson about how to approach. You know, there are some people that parent this way. The, the, the son comes up and says, Dad, give me, I need 20 bucks. Dad says, I can give you 20 bucks. Go, go out and take the lawnmower and customize grass if you want 20 bucks. And, and he comes back, Dad, I need 20 bucks. Come on, give me 20 bucks. I'm not giving you 20 bucks. And he'll, ju he'll just say, no, no, no. And then maybe one day the, the kid says, hey, Dad, thank you so much for everything you do. I really appreciate it. I really need this. You could, you could help me out. I could pay you back or, or whatever. I just, could, could you really help me out in this situation? The dad might say, you know what, son, thank you. I've just been waiting to see you had some gratitude and you appreciate it. How about 50 bucks? I'd be like, yo, I stand on my head and ask any way you want if you're going to give me 50 bucks. If I was that kid right there. But see, the father's trying to teach the son a lesson. It's not about that he doesn't, he doesn't have $20. It's about the way that he approaches it. And sometimes we come to God more like beggars than sons. We have to come to God confident. Say, I know you're good. I know you are strong. I know you are capable. I know you are faithful. I know you have all power in your hands. I know that you are the author and finisher of my faith. I know you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I know you are the resurrection and you are the life. And I come to you and I declare in your name that you will move on this situation. Now, God, make it so in Jesus' name. Do you see the difference in, oh, Lord, I don't deserve to talk to you. I understand there are times in our prayer we say all those things. But man, a kingdom person understands who they are in the kingdom. They understand the access that they have to the throne. That's why the Bible says, let us come boldly before the throne. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He tells us to come boldly. That's what you do when you're a part of a kingdom. You access the throne room boldly. I love that my dad taught me about that principle right there because he never put any rules on when I could approach him. And I had that confidence. I would come in when I was, you know, he, I was, he hired me my first job at 15, actually at 14. I was the maintenance man at the church. I was the worst maintenance man in the history of the world. I'm terrible at maintenance. I try, I mean, I, I, and, and my dad would say, okay, son, I want you to take this, uh, this weed eater right here. I want you to go down this whole line and get the, all the weeds off the side of that front part. And then I'll tell you what to do after that's over with. So I'd go, I'd go take it and 
he'd say, do that. You know, it's going to take you all morning. And I would, I would do it, and I'd run directly in his room. and say, Dad, come look at what I did. And, and he'd be in a board meeting with, you know, 10 people, and he'd go, guys, can you uh, hold on one second? I'll be right back. And he'd just leave all those guys in the room, and he'd come out, and he'd go, that does look good, buddy. Thank you. Okay, well, now take that mulch and go over there. And, I mean, he'd just kind of take any time, and he let me approach him. So you know what I did? I approached him all my life. I just took advantage of that. I got a dad. He'll let me come after him anytime I want. Take advantage of what your father has offered you at heaven. Your heavenly father has given you access to the throne. You don't have to beg your way in there. You don't have to knock on the door for an hour and ask if you could come in. You can approach boldly with, somebody say confidence. Why are you confident? Because you're a kingdom person. You're a royal today. You've got confidence in God that you can walk in. We're, it's going to be a great series. I can't wait to finish it. Let me pray, uh, and we'll, we'll dismiss today. Father, I thank you for all these people in this room that their hearts are vulnerable. And all of our hearts are vulnerable to be pulled in the direction of one kingdom or another. And I pray in Jesus' name, God, that we would always have a revelation of your kingdom first in everything we do. You said, seek me first, the kingdom of God. Lord, let us always seek your kingdom first and trust you that you will take care of the rest. We are a kingdom generation. Let us think that way, live that way, talk that way, operate that way in relationships. And I pray for each person in this room that doesn't know you right now, people that are watching online, that do not know you right now, that if they need you, they would reach out for you. That your word says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, Right now, if you're here in this room and you need Jesus to be the Lord of your life, you're watching online, why don't you say this out loud? Say, I ask you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. I'm turning away from the past, walking into a brand new life with you, Lord. Help me be a kingdom person in everything I do. In Jesus' name. Could we give God a great praise today? Awesome time in the presence of the Lord. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.